In case you weren't sure, it's episode number 54 of the Divorce Resource Guy podcast. Today's topic, talking to children about divorce. Hit it. Welcome to the Divorce Resource Guy podcast with Jason Lavoie, a.k.a. the Divorce Resource Guy, a former divorce attorney turned divorce coach, talking about all things divorce, including the good, bad, and the ugly from an attorney's point of view. Remember, you're not alone. And now, your host, Jason Lavoy. All right, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Divorce Resource Guide podcast. I'm your host, Jason Lavoy. And today, we have a great guest for you, Christina McGee. She is an internationally recognized divorce parenting expert, speaker, and author. Throughout her career, she has educated both parents and professionals on how to keep kids in the center, not the middle, when parents part ways. Christina believes divorce doesn't have to equal devastation for families. While it's undeniably hard with the right kind of information and support, she thinks parents can be a child's absolute best resource when families change. And I don't disagree for a second. That's why I brought her on the show. So without further ado, let me introduce to you Christina McGee. Christina, welcome to the show. I'm so excited you're here. I, I'm glad to be here. Thanks for the opportunity. No, absolutely. Uh, today we'll be talking about kids uh, and kids and divorce. But before we get into that, uh, tell everybody a little bit about yourself, um, you know, your background and kind of how you got to this point. Ooh, that's quite a story. Um, <laughs> so I am, I'm a child from a divorced family. Uh, my parents divorced when I was a teenager and I'm also a bonus mom as well as a bio mom. So together, my husband and I have four kids together. Um, So when you talk about the topic of divorce, I definitely have a personal and a professional interest in it. Um, My professional interest really didn't happen until much later in life when I became a bonus mom. And I had these two amazing kids and my husband and I were trying to figure out how we make it work for them between the two households. And while I'd love to tell you that everything, you know, went off like a song. It didn't. Um, We definitely had a lot of challenges we had to work through. So um, I started looking for resources and um, found out that there weren't really a wealth of options. Uh, There were a lot of resources that did a really good job of like pointing out what the problem is, but not really telling you what to do about it. And so um, I became really invested in, in how do you offer practical, helpful information about this topic? And I started digging in uh, and eventually led to my teaching uh, classes to parents. So in my jurisdiction, parents are mandated to take a four-hour parenting class. And so for yeah. about 12 years, I taught those classes and learned lots. We have the same here in New Jersey. Uh, it's mandatory when you go through the courts. Uh, they make you take that class. The um, I love how you use the word bonus mom too. I don't think I've ever heard that before. <laughs> yeah, I like. I actually came across it when I was teaching. Uh, there was a parent from another country that was in the class, and they said, "Well, you know, where I come from, we use the word bonus." And I thought, "Oh, wow, what a what a great term!" Because I never really loved step language, you know, right. Step mom, you think of Cinderella and Snow White and all these evil. (laughs) And that just didn't feel like a fit for us. No, you're absolutely right. Bonus is it's like a, 
it reminds me if you know like a game show and it's like not only did you win three kids but wait there's more (laughs) (laughs) Uh, so today's topic i want to focus on with you is is kids um bonus or not but when we're talking about divorce um you know and children it's a really I don't know what the word is I want to I want to use, but delicate. I'll go with that, um, you know, line that parents walk in and how to talk about divorce with kids, you know, how to communicate certain parts of the process. So let's let's dive into that a little bit. I mean, what would you say, you know, is the number one concern that most people have when talking to children about divorce? I think the biggest concern parents have is what do I say? What, you know, there's no, you don't get a guidebook when you file your petition that says here, this is, I mean, I wish you did, but here's what you need to say. And here's how you need to say it. Parents really struggle with what do I say? And they're so worried about it that there's like two pitfalls that they can fall in. One is saying too much and the other is not saying enough. And so when you talk about it being a delicate balance, that's right on the money. I mean, we really need to strike that sweet spot where we give kids enough information to understand what kind of change is happening in the family, but not so much that they are emotionally overwhelmed or that they feel caught in the middle. Yeah, absolutely. And how do you, you know, kids at every stage, right? They're they're different concerns. Um, So let's start with the younger, younger children. At at what age do you think it's even appropriate to like try to actually communicate and talk with the, with your children about what is going on um, as far as, you know, mommy and daddy getting a divorce? Like when is, when it's too young, you know, when would you start? What are some good guidelines if you have any? Well, so I would say you start using the language right away, regardless of how old your kids are. And that might sound a little crazy, you know, oh, I've got an infant, Christina. Why would I be, you know, talking about divorce? But just helping yourself get in that mind frame and that you stay consistent with your children in the language that you use. So if your two-year-old is transitioning from your home to mom or dad's home, you say, okay, now is your time with mom. Now is your time with dad. You're going to be at dad's house. We're going to have parenting time there. Mom and dad live in different homes. Intellectually, cognitively, kids aren't going to be able to wrap their head around it at that age. But as you continue to give them the same message over and over again, eventually they'll be able to integrate it. And it will just become something that they accept as a part of how life is. Yeah. Um, and, and so I, I say don't you don't hold off and wait for this magic age to go, oh, by the way, ta-da, you're living in two different homes and we're we're divorced. Right. It's not like, you know they turn six years old and say, okay, well now we can talk to you about what's going on. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, So that's, that's great. Now, how important do you think it is? This sounds like a, like an obvious question, but you know, I wonder like, you know, how, how important is it that both parents, if they're living in separate places Mm -hmm. uh, are dealing, are, are giving the children similar routines or, 
they have similar approaches to to parenting, whether it's, you know, with young children, you know, keeping them in a, in a routine where you have dinner, let's say at, you know, six, six thirty, and go to bed by seven, like that sort of thing. Is that in your mind, is that a, does that play a big factor in how the kids adjust? Well, I would say when parents can get on the same page about those big ticket items, that's certainly ideal. Of course, sure, you know, yeah. that, that makes it easier for kids, but it's also not a complete deal breaker if you're not in chapter and sync on every single thing, you know, in order to be a good co-parent, you don't have to do things exactly alike. But what you do want to do is make sure that when children are with you, they know what to expect. So that you're very consistent in your household, that you set up predictability for kids so that they feel secure. And when there are big differences between the household, that you allow different to be different. See, parents often get caught in the trap of trying to control each other. You know, well, you need to do it this way. You need to put Brittany to bed at, you know, 830 because if you don't, that's the wrong thing to do. And so let's say dad isn't putting Brittany to bed by 830. So the mom says, well, Brittany, at 830, you need to go to bed. You need to put yourself in bed because dad's not able to do it. He's just not good at parenting. You know, and so then it becomes where we're making judgment calls about each other, and that's when things get really complicated for kids. So if you're not on the same page, do your best not to be judgmental or critical, allow different to be different, and just stay consistent with what you do in your household. Yeah, and you never want to put the children in the position of having to make a choice like that um, and, you know, making their own guidelines based on what you know one parent says they should be doing um you know it's funny like as an attorney when i was representing people um one of the most common issues that i would come across is um you know one parent who had primary custody and and the other person the other parent let's just say mom had primary custody and and dad saw the children every other weekend just for mm-hmm. this example um, one of the primary points of conflict I would see as an attorney is mom, every time the child was with dad, um, you know, they would call him Disney dad because uh, yeah. he would do all the fun things um, and no discipline. And it was kind of, you know, of course, who wouldn't love that? Right. So the mom, which I could understand, you know, would get frustrated and because there were like two sick, two separate lifestyles and which one do you think the child will gravitate to? <laughs> so, like, have you ever dealt with that type of a dynamic? Oh, my goodness, if I had a penny <laughs> every time. Um, yeah, that's a huge one for so, so many families. And a lot of times parents um, really shoot themselves in the foot, okay? So you may have a parent who is what you call the primary parent, um, and, and I refer to parenting relationship a little bit differently. So you have like one parent that's the on-duty parent, the okay. one who's taking care of the homework, making sure they're eating supper, getting to bed, getting to school every day. And then you have the off-duty parent, and that's the parent who's still playing a supportive role. But it's, it's kind of like being in a game, right? So if you're at a, a football game, not all the players are on the field at once, Right. Right. Have one set of that goes and they're in the game, and the others are on the sideline. They're kind of cheering on the team and watching the game and adding and assisting where they can. And then at some point, there's a switch, 
and the team that's on the field comes off and the other one goes on. And I encourage parents to think about parenting in the same way. Regardless of how time is spent between the two households, it's really important that you use a two home concept. And that means that kids feel a sense of belonging and connectedness, no matter how much time they're spending with each parent. They feel like they belong. And so when you come from that place of a two home concept, instead of telling your child, well, now it's your time to go visit dad. See, when we set up this visitation mentality and that time's short and it's fleeting, right. it becomes really precious. And so what parent wants to spend it disciplining or doing homework or making sure they get to bed on time? And what kid doesn't want to be an absolute angel under those circumstances because they don't know when they're going to see this parent again. They only have this much time. So everybody tends to be on their best behavior. And then when they come back to the other household, the wheels come off, you know, and you've got all these discipline issues and you've got kids that are really struggling and a parent who feels like they have to be the one who's always laying down the law. Right. So, Maybe we can talk about this little two-home concept uh, a little more because, because I like it, and I, I haven't really heard it in those terms before, but of course it makes perfect sense. Now, I can relate to the football analogies because, well, I guess I'm a guy, and so I like football. <laughs> well, that's a stereotype, <laughs> but I do like football. But so with the, with the people, like you said, coming on and off the field, so that's usually the offense is one group of people, the defense mm-hmm. is another group of people. They play at separate times for the most part. So how does that, how does that correlate to, the, to a parenting um, and to home setup? Can you talk about that a little more? Sure. So instead of on-duty and off-duty parents being specific roles that never change, they're actually interchangeable. So the on-duty parent is the parent that's with the child in the moment. Right. And that may be, you know, through the week, Monday through Friday, and then it switches and the on-duty parent is the parent that picks up Friday evening and has the kids until Monday morning. Um, so the roles are interchangeable instead of looking at, I'm the one in charge, you're not. I'm the winner, you're the loser. I'm the important parent, you're the backseat parent. Because when we get into those fixed roles of, you're the custodial parent, you're not, we attach lots of meanings to that. And so you right. have one parent who feels like they have all the responsibility and you have another one that's really worried about losing their influence in a child's life and losing their relationship. And so then the struggle starts between parents. Um, and I think it's better for kids if they see that there's a parenting team, right? And we play different roles at different times. And you have two homes and belong in both places. Yeah, no, that makes perfect sense, um, the on-duty, off-duty. But, of course, both parents have to be on the same page for that to work, right? Because what happens if, and we'll just use mom as the you know, on-duty parent most of the time um, or the primary parent, if you, we'll use that, that label for a second again, and dad is choosing to be that you know, Disney dad and does not – you know, emphasize and enforce any restrictions or discipline with their child during the time with him. So that in turn frustrates mom when the child comes home and then everything breaks, you know, falls down. So how, how do you deal with that type of a a dynamic? Well, I think, 
So you can only control what's on your side of the fence, right? right? And if you have a parent that's, you know, committed to being the Disneyland parent, um, so I'd say the first thing you do is if you're, let's say, mom in this situation, which it's not always mom, sometimes it's dad's, right. but for this example, we'll use mom. Um, if you're mom in this situation, I would encourage you to evaluate how are you conceptualizing your relationship as, as co-parents, right? So how are you being supportive of your child's relationship in that other household? How are you involving that other parent in the day-to-day decisions? Um, are you, are you using supportive language? Are you referring to the other place with your child when you're engaged and talking with them? Are you saying, you know, this is your weekend to go visit dad? Or are you saying, this is your weekend to spend time with dad? Right. Do you talk about it like a home or do you talk about it like a place they visit? Do kids have uh, stuff in both places so they don't have to schlep around a suitcase back and forth? Right. You know, are we actually setting up both places as a home? So I think as a co-parent, you can you can help facilitate some of that and break that down. And when the other parent feels engaged, when they feel that their opinion matters, some of that, you know, may, may die off. Um, in the event that it doesn't, the other thing I would say is you want to be sure that you're playing the long game. And even if the other parent is not going to provide structure, even if they're not going to do homework, you do you. And you provide kids with as much, you know, structure, um, predictability, and consistency as you can. You continue to play that supportive role because as kids get older, they figure it out. I had a woman in one of my trainings I was teaching and she said, hey, I am that person who had, you know, the Disneyland parent. And um, it got to a point where, yeah, it was really cool to get stuff and to go places. But after a while, it felt like that my dad was trying to buy my love. Mm. And I knew that my mom was the parent that I could count on, that she was going to be the one that was going to be there for me, um, that she was reliable. And, um, and I think that it's important to remember that that kind of stuff becomes very apparent to kids over time. In the moment, it's really hard to deal with. But again, you're playing the long game, not the short haul. Yeah, that's so important to keep your eye on the on the prize of the long game. Uh, like you said, I, I say that too. Um, you know, especially when people are stuck in the mud in the divorce process itself, and I'm helping coaching them through it. You know, I say, think about your post-divorce life. You know, that's what we're striving for. That's what's going to be. Um, so, kind of, you know, keep your eye moving forward and uh, always always looking towards the big picture. Uh, It's so easy to get stuck. uh, Right, right. Day to day. Yeah, absolutely. Now, I'm curious if you know, how old was that person, uh, the woman who said, I was that child when she said it it started to get old, the whole Disney routine? I think she was a teenager. Okay. I I think she said around her teenage years, you know, it kind of – it looked very different to her. She started noticing different things, but things become apparent to kids at different times for different reasons. And I think a lot of times we don't give our kids enough credit. I mean, they're really uh, many times a lot smarter and wiser than we think and, and they figure things out. And so uh, it's really important as a parent that you do what you can do 
to maintain your co-parenting, set your co-parenting values and operate out of those. Uh, one pitfall that lots of parents get into is that they they consistently make their actions dependent upon what the other parent does or doesn't do. And True. so you get into this reactive you, you become very reactive instead of responsive. And as you're parenting your children, you want to be thoughtful, you want to respond, um, and you want to figure out what are your priorities, and you, and you parent towards those. Yeah, that, that's a great point. So, and that, that's, what comes to my mind is a, a situation where, all right, when we're trying to communicate with our children directly, um, and we're in a well, a tenuous kind of a dynamic with the other parent, you know, maybe there's still a lot of anger from the divorce or, or the marriage, doesn't matter, but, you know, they're kind of butting heads, they're not on the same page. So when, uh, you know, little Samantha, we'll call her, comes back from her Disney weekend with dad, um, just building on that same example we've been using, and, and, you know, mom can react in a couple different ways. She can react, you know, kind of angrily, in front of the child that, you know, oh, he did it again. He was supposed to do X, Y, and Z, and that's not good. What would be a good way for her to talk with, you know, little Samantha about her ex- her time with dad, but her expectations and, and that whole dynamic what, of what's going on? Well, I would say how would mom in this example talk with Samantha if she just got back from grandma's? I mean, a lot of times we put a different spin on these situations because it's the other parent. Right. So am I supposed to spoil you? <laughs> yeah. It, you know, but if you come back and you, you know, but maybe you don't agree with the way grandma spoiled Samantha. Right. Right. Maybe way grandma's way of spoiling Samantha was to let her have like ding dongs all day long and sit in front of the TV, you know? Right. So when you come back, you might say, Samantha's like, well, had a great weekend at grandma's. I ate ding tongs and I watched TV all day. You know, mom could say, wow, well, that's the great thing about being at grandma's. Won't be happening here. (laughs) So again, you know, that's one of those slippery slopes where we can get really focused and, and sometimes kids pick up on those kind of strong feelings. And so it plays out in a different way. So maybe you have Samantha come home and, you know, mom says, time to do your homework. You need to turn the TV off. And Samantha pops off with, well, when I'm at dad's house, I can do my homework in front of the TV. Dad doesn't care. As a matter of fact, I can watch TV as much as I want. Right. And so mom instantly like goes off like a bottle rocket and is like, oh yeah, is that what dad lets you do? Well, let me tell you a little something about dad. Dad is a really crap parent and he shouldn't be allowing you to do that. And young lady, you're going to go do your homework right now. And I don't, and she starts just going going on and on and on about dad. Well, little, what has little Samantha just done? She completely derailed mom. We're no longer focusing on the fact that the TV needs to go off. You need to sit down and do your homework. It's all now all about dad. Where instead... Yeah, mom could take a more thoughtful approach and she could say, oh, wow, I bet that was a lot of fun that you get to do your homework in front of the TV. Here in this house, we do things a little bit different. In this house, you need to turn the TV off and you need to go do your homework. Now get to it. Right. No drama, no talking about dad, no making comments on what a crap parent dad is. 
You just stay focused on the fact that Samantha needs to do her homework. And in this house, this is how it's done. And it's, it's so important not to, uh, you know, disparage the other parent in front of the children like that, because I mean, it's just so in their face um, and inappropriate on every level really. But um, if the children or the child comes home and not just from one visit, but over time, you know, you get the sense that dad, and we'll just keep using that dynamic for now, you know, dad is, let's say, disparaging mom when Samantha's with him. And then that, of course, is influencing how Samantha feels about mom uh, on, a, on a little level. You know, how would mom, how would you coach mom to talk with Samantha about that? Sure. So bad mouthing is a huge issue and I see it happen in both directions all the time. You know, I see it happen with moms and I see it happen with dads, but basically kids are hearing things very negative, critical, judgmental, um, sometimes dishonest. Maybe they're not, they're not accurate things that they're hearing and adult info, they get access to adult information. And so I I think it's really important for parents to remember first and foremost that when you fight fire with fire, kids get burned. So let's say we go back to Samantha, but just for the sake of making a little difference, let's say mom's doing the bad mouthing and Samantha comes to dad and says, Hey dad, you know, mom said that the divorce is all your fault. You weren't a very good provider. Um, You were really sloppy. You weren't a good husband. And so she didn't really have any choice. Right. So dad is standing at a crossroads right there and he has to make a decision. So let's say he takes one direction. He says, oh, really? Well, is that what mom had to say? Well, let me tell you a little something about mom, you know? Yeah, it's fire with fire. (laughs) Yeah. She flirted with everything that on the block that had a pulse. She uh, she didn't cook dinners well. She wasn't a good she wasn't a good person to be married to. And she has horrible habits and she's late all the time and she spends too much money and not on and on and on. And so little Samantha gets loaded up with all kinds of information. Yeah. Now, what does little Samantha do with this information? She makes the beeline right back for mom and says, Hey mom, dad said, you know, you flirted with everything on the block that had a pulse. Right. And so mom then says, Oh, did he really? Well, let me tell you. Yeah. It it escalates on both sides. So it never really ends. And this kid is caught in a no-win situation between two people that she loves. So if we like roll it back and let's say that Samantha's just shared a bunch of facts with dad again, and now dad makes a different choice. He decides not to fight fire with fire. And he says, oh, wow, sounds like mom's feeling pretty upset with me. What do you think about what she said? I'm really sorry you had to hear that. You know, sometimes when adults go through a divorce, their feelings get hurt, they get really mad, or they get angry, and they might say things to try and hurt the other person's feelings. If mom, let's say mom rolled out some stuff and you don't feel like there's a grain of truth in anything she said, doesn't mean you have to roll over. You can say to Samantha, you know, I don't really agree with what mom said. I have a different opinion. Right. But without getting into the details. And it ends there. And you really focus on helping your child process those feelings about hearing what they heard instead of trying to, you know, tell your side of the story 
set the record straight. Um, you really want to focus on your kids. Gosh, how did that feel for you? That must be really confusing when you hear your parents say two different things. Yeah, that's a great, that's a great tip. In, in, that, in that example, more often than not, in your coaching, who would you be coaching, dad or mom? Uh, I would say my, my practice is 50-50. I coach okay. as many dads as I do moms. And I've had just as many with the dealing with the bad-mouthing on, on both sides. Right. But so would you have you coached people who are the bad-mouthers, we'll call them, in addition to the ones who are being bad-mouthed? Um, I would say that there are – I would say that somebody's that is deeply embedded in that kind of behavior is probably not seeking out somebody like me. Right. I was going to say that the, <laughs> a, will they admit it to you and, and right B they, I can't imagine somebody being proud of right, conducting right. themselves that way, <laughs> but right. So more often than not, you're helping somebody deal with that kind of conduct. Right. But I will say that there are parents, really good parents that I've coached that even when you're very well intended and you're trying to do the very best you can, it's such a slippery slope. Like you can easily slip up in lots of very small ways. And it, and it's not um, that you're blatantly bad mouthing the other parent, right? You may, you may make some statements, you know, or uh, when your child says something about the other parent, you don't respond to it at all. Like you ignore it, like you never even said it or, um, Let's say that, uh, you know, Brandon has made a huge mess in his room and mom walks in and says, Brandon, this room is an absolute disaster. You're just like your dad. You're so sloppy. Yeah. You know? Right. Um, and so the, the whole aspect of bad mouthing or, um, you know, being judgmental or critical can happen in so many ways. And so I've had some parents that like when they – understood it better they went ooh oh wow i better keep that in i better keep that in check right no yeah absolutely we're all human um and nobody's perfect and there's definitely different levels of bad mouthing there's right the inadvertent oh yeah i probably shouldn't have said that um versus the intentional you know oh your dad is the one who's flirting with every other thing that walks you know uh comment um so i definitely think that there's a difference there now we're running out of time, but I figured I'd kind of end with you on this note. When or what are some signs, if you can share with us, that you see when kids are in the middle of a contested divorce situation um, where there's real damage being done to the children at, to the point where, you know, perhaps – something has to be done, you know, and, and they have to be introduced to professional help in therapy or some other setting versus normal, you know, this is a divorce and this is how kids can act. And, you know, you should just communicate, try to communicate better. Are there any like certain signs that kids will show that would be big red flags? Well, I mean, there are certainly some very severe ones, you know, and, and usually what you see with kids, uh, especially younger kiddos, is changes, big changes in their behavior. Mm-hmm. So I, you know, I encourage the parents to kind of look at what was your child's behavior like before the divorce compared to now? Where are you seeing the big shifts? So you might have had a kid that was really outgoing um, and very energetic and talkative 
and now they're very withdrawn and they're spending a lot of time in their room. Um, you might have a kid that seems really sad most of the time, um, that they seem like they're really struggling. And, and I invite parents to trust their gut. I mean, you know your kids better than anybody else. And if something seems off to you, then you should probably consider getting it checked out. Now, before you go rushing to drag your kid to a therapist, I always recommend that parents talk with a professional first. Because a lot of times, if parents can get the support and information that they need, they can make the changes that are necessary to truly help their child. The other piece is that if you go talk to somebody first and get some feedback and you decide that your child does need to, to have someone to talk to, then you get to vet them. You know, you see if they're a fit. Because I really believe therapists are a lot like shoes. Just because they look good doesn't mean they're a fit. Absolutely. So you want to make sure that you find somebody that's a good fit for your kids, that they have the kind of experience that um, you need and that uh, their personality type is one that's going to feel comfortable with your kids. So first get help, talk with somebody, you first, right. and then make a determination about what might be the best way to move forward for your kids. Right. And of course, it's always better if both parents are on the same page as far as that goes. But I've also been on uh in the middle of you know battles about whether junior needs to go to therapy or at all and mm-hmm. i as an attorney i always hated being in that spot um because again you know people are supposed to be acting you know in the best interest of the of the children um and i know that's a legal term but just the idea of you know it's not about you it's about your children, why wouldn't you want the best for them? And if you can't get on the same page for that, that causes just even more problems. Well, I think what happens with that particular scenario is that um, it's not uncommon for each parent to see very different things. True. And for kids to say very different things to each parent. So if kids feel like there's tension, I mean, their loyalties are so fierce to their parents that sometimes kids will say what they think their parents want to hear. And so- especially when you're talking like with the Disneyland parent situation, you know, you may have one child who feels at that time with that parent, so precious, so fleeting, so sacred that they will behave like they're just like an angel. They're like the best kid in the world. You don't have any discipline issues. And then you've got the parent on the other side of the fence who's having to lay down the law, who's taking care of the day in day out stuff, the homework, the bedtime, and they're like hell on wheels. Right. Absolutely. And so you have, let's say, mom in this situation telling dad, look, we got some real behavior issues. And he's like, I don't know what, what are you talking, talking about? about. They're perfect at my house. Maybe, maybe it's you. Maybe you don't know how to discipline. Maybe you don't know how to parent. And so then we get into this blaming game. Yeah. And so it's important for parents to understand that sometimes kids, sometimes you don't see everything. And kids have a tendency to do their acting out with the parent they feel safest with where there's a sense of security. Um, And so the parent that's not seeing the acting out, you know, that may be your clue that your kids are not so sure if you're going to stick around. Hmm. Interesting. All right. That's that's an excellent point. I didn't even think about it that way, really. Um, But the point of view that you brought up is, is, is spot on. You know, everything can look different depending on the point of view. 
um, and, and whose eyes you're, you're looking at it from. So I almost think like, you know, we've heard the phrase, there's always three sides to every story, you know, yours, mine, and then the truth. Um, something like that. Right. <laughs> but like, that's how I, that's how I think about it too, is that, you know, there's mom, dad, and then the, the child's view too. And you have to really take in everybody's viewpoint in consideration right. when you're trying to figure out, uh, you know, what's going on. Christina, this was so great. And uh, time went by really fast, of, as it usually does. Um, I feel like we kind of just touched the tip of the iceberg, um, but I think we covered some good stuff too. Let everybody know where they can find you. All right, so for people that are looking for me, um, they can find me at divorceandandchildren.com. Uh, that's my website. There's a lot of information there, and I offer also offer a free guide, resource guide to parents who want to, you know, sign up and join the parenting community. Um, I'm also on Facebook at Divorce and Children and uh, on Instagram at Christina underscore McGee. Excellent. And I'll, and I'll put those uh, links in the show notes. Um, and do you work with people all over and especially now virtually, I'm sure? Actually, I've been working with people all over the world for years. Um, I do all of my coaching by phone, uh, so I can work with parents anywhere in the world. So if anybody's interested in, in getting some extra support, um, you know, on my website, I have a free 30-minute consultation offer. So someone who's interested in getting some feedback or wanting to know a little bit more about what coaching is all about, uh, I really believe that's important you talk with somebody before making a decision to work with them. So that is my way of uh, letting parents get to know me, finding out a little bit more about coaching and whether we would be a fit. Absolutely. Because just like everything, right? You have to, yeah. you have to be a fit. <laughs> um, well, great. Thank you so much again for being a guest. We'll have to uh, have you on again in the future and, and cover some more stuff. Yeah, I really enjoyed it. Thanks so much for the opportunity. All right. Thank you, Christina, for coming on the show. And I hope everybody listening got some good information out of that. And, you know, obviously, like, we can't stress enough the importance of communicating what's going on with divorce properly and in the most uh, healthy way with the children. But they do need to know what's going on to a point, um, because whether you think so or not, they are very perceptive, no matter what age they are. So, if you are looking for some help with your divorce, check out uh, my resources on jasonlavoy.com. I offer a variety of one-on-one coaching, and I also do group coaching uh, through the Divorce You membership community. So for the price of about a cup of coffee a day, or a little more, depending on when you're hearing this, um, you can get help for your divorce, which includes access to divorce video tutorials that walk you through every step of the divorce process and live group coaching with me so check that out if you have any questions don't hesitate to email me jason at jasonlavoy.com also if you like the podcast i would love it if you gave a positive review on itunes and subscribe so you get all new episodes when they come out in the meantime all i'm going to ask you to do is be strong act confident and stay positive I'm Jason Lavoy, a.k.a. The Divorce Resource Guy, and I'll be seeing you real soon.